It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COV this Friday. I'm Juliette Sarley, along with Nadine Blamey. Hello. Good to see you all again. Friday afternoon, never too late. I like slipping in when it's a really positive day out there, Juliette. Yeah, you brought the green today, <laughs> Nadine. It's been a very volatile week, but a really mm. good day today. Uh, up by about 1%, I think, as we turn into the match out. Yeah, the SIBO there up by 1%. The ASX 200 also seeing a gain of about 1%, 71 points. So importantly, back above that 7,400 point level. Yeah, and actually it's positive right around the region. So we can trace the beginnings of this, of course, back to Wall Street overnight. Pretty positive session, particularly for the tech sector. Now, whether or not that was entirely justified or what exactly we are putting that down to, well, we'll chat with our guest in just a moment, Kyle Rutter from Capital.com. Um, but yeah, around the region, pretty positive. I mean, you can excuse China from that, but um, even if you look at some of the key commodity prices, so iron ore, for example, iron ore is looking uh, pretty positive at this stage of this Asian session. Yeah, indeed. And uh, looking at the, the themes that we've been following, you mentioned that the lead in started from Wall Street. We came in this morning talking about that big rally yeah. in Apple up over 3%. It had a broker upgrade. You had those good numbers from TSMC really just suggesting a big recovery coming through for some of these uh, chip makers. And the other really positive factor, of course, Apple ending Samsung's 12-year run as the world's top smartphone uh, uh, seller. Oh, I'm surprised that Samsung was still on top. I don't know why. I think in Asia you'll find a lot yeah, of Yeah, there's a lot of Android. In South Korea have Samsung. Um, but uh, very, very positive in lead into our uh, tech players as well. Zero up by about 4.4%. I remember when I moved to Asia and I had an iPhone, I was kind of on my own. Really? People, people love a Huawei yeah. or a Samsung. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you get sort of blinkers on. And, and yes, apologies to all of you out there who wish that we had an Android app on the roadmap. <laughs> so that for a few years now, I do realize. <laughs> okay. So sector-wise, um, yeah, pretty positive. Tenant of the 11 sectors are positive. I suppose one thing that we're keeping our eye on, though, is the Australian dollar. So coming under renewed pressure. Um, I can't help but think forward uh, to inflation data that we get, quarterly inflation data next week. That's going to be really important. Mm. And of course, the following week, once everybody's finally back from their long vacations, we will hear from the RBA for the first time in 2024. Yes. Um, so January 31, we get that inflation quarterly print. And then February 6 is when they're meeting, something like that, yeah. the first Tuesday. So um, of course, it really is going to be all about the, the pieces that have flowed through. But it has been interesting to note that some of these food prices are coming down. And I was talking to Ilya Spivak today from mm -hmm. Tasty Live, and he made a really interesting point on the trade that food inflation does lag core by about seven months. So when you start to see these lower food prices, then that's an interesting point for the potential money uh, politry cycle. Of course, he was talking about the Fed, but it, it pays heed to the RBA as well. 
Look, um, you know, don't want to over-egg it, but I've been listening and reading a lot about the Red Sea and a lot of the disruptions mm. there and the Houthis uh, in Yemen and the uh, war that's not been declared against them by the U.S. Look, the shipping is a very big concern and a very big player when it comes to costs. And of course, we've got our own dispute in terms of industrial relations mm. here happening in Australia. So I think that, um, look, I think the inflation story is not going away. away. Um, How these nuances will come through will be really Mm. endlessly fascinating and important uh, through 2024. And I suppose that's a nod as well to, you know, that conflict between Israel and Hamas now going on for four months. You know, can Mm. you believe it? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. All right, let's have a look at some of the sectors. We mentioned tech was a front runner today. Zero, Wise Tech, all looking really good. Wise Tech, they're up by almost 3%. Zero, up by 4.4%. Okay, let's take a look at energy because, again, if we're looking for positivity, mostly positive here. Um, and your beach energy up by 1.8%. So that brings us to consumer discretionary stocks. And Aristocrat had a solid session up 3.5%. Really well. Lottery Corporation. I was trying to work out, is this tied to the $10 million or how was it? $100 million last night that went off. I'm not actually cool. sure that that was the same one or whether it's Tab Corp. But anyway, a lot of interest in gambling. Up 6%. Tab Corp <laughs> up by 7 tenths of 1%. Breville also higher, but Kogan was lower today. Yeah, that's really punchy, isn't it? Um, we, we've got... You know, perhaps that being one of the sectors to watch in 2024. Um, okay, so let's get to across some of the corporate news. And oh, there we go. Um, we've got Whitehaven. Yeah, Whitehaven was the second best performer, I think it was, by the end of the session. So it's a production guidance season right now, you could say, from these minor. Still talking about some challenges, you know, the Narrabri mine and a major train derailment in New South Wales, but production was down by about 5%. However, total sales jumped. And so you get that really positive share price reaction there. Yeah, Sinlay Milk coming under a little bit of pressure. It did increase its 2023-2024 uh, season milk price forecast, and that's due to these higher dairy prices that we're seeing. Yeah, Michael Hill. So this is one I saw this morning. Uh, not a lot of volume going through on SIBO there, but flagging challenging conditions. Um, I think that it does expect to see first half earnings to come in between 30 and $33 million. But again, it's really interesting that margin pressures are under higher because of why? The higher gold price, mm. of course, but mostly putting it down to the challenging retail landscape. Well, people aren't going to buy jewelry if they can't afford their power no. bills, are they? Miso Blast, they're the US FDA approving a designated treatment for a rare pediatric disease. Uh, Miso Blast up by 13% there. Yeah, but I dare say <laughs> it's one of those most volatile companies mm. on you know, this, uh, this ASX list. So uh, another one that we've been watching now for a couple of days, EML. Finally, uh, walking away from the Irish business, I might say finally, uh, share price is putting on more ground today. So that's that PFS card services that really has caused it a lot of problems. So looking like it's cutting the cord, moving on, and uh, investors are celebrating that move. Indeed. Actually, I spoke to Harry Watt yesterday from Shore & Partners. He said, watch it all get to a dollar, and it did. Mm -hmm. So there you go. There you go. You need to be watching us to get these (laughs) tips ahead of time. Kyle Rodder always watches us. Joining from Capital.com. Hello, Kyle. Happy Friday. Um, so much to talk about, but I was very curious in terms of because we, uh, Nadine mentioned what we've been seeing in Asia, what you've been witnessing with some of the big moves in the China markets. 
Yeah, I mean, yesterday there was obviously a lot of speculation that maybe the national team finally stepped in and started to sort of uh, support asset prices a little bit. Um, the follow-through has been, I guess, modest today, but you know, clearly their job isn't, or their, their, their um, objective isn't to try and push markets higher, but you know, stabilise them and make sure volatility doesn't ma manifest in further, you know, financial stability risks. And you know, of course, everyone's concerned about anything that could stoke, um, you know, problems in in their high, highly leveraged parts of their economy. So. Um, overall, though, it was you know relatively inexplicable rally on Wall Street last night. I had a very difficult time trying to describe it because you know really it was a bit of a narrative uh, shift, or at least it deviated a little bit from the prevailing narrative about you know everything goes up when um, you know those March uh, rates futures um, you know imply a higher chance of, of a cut. But you know nevertheless, we had sort of interest rate sensitive markets uh, performing well today. It has to be said that you know the ASX does look like it's going to finish about one percent lower for the week. Um, but you know obviously Wall Street looks very robust, and you know the Nasdaq is. is at a record high again and you know the the question becomes whether you know sort of the party rolls on despite the you know very very significant uncertainties about the Fed's ability or even desire to, to, to lock interest rates in the next couple of months so I mean overall again um, Asia has been a little bit of a bounce probably supported by um, some kind interventions from, from Chinese policymakers but I don't think any of the today's um, price action necessarily signals a resolution to some of those unanswered questions that you know markets are, are currently grappling with. No, but Japan had a positive day as well. Um, so some positivity, I suppose, coming through in the inflation read there. What does it do? Does it just take pressure off the Bank of Japan? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that the market in Japan is being driven by two things. One, one, the domestic factors and more these sort of corporate governance changes, which is not taking a very Japanese name and shame approach to try and force companies to be um, a little less lazy uh, in terms of their balance sheets and, and, and force them to be, um, you know, much more sort of focused on growth and, and boosting multiples. And then also all those other sort of tweaks that go a little bit of, outside of what I would typically look at, but um, to try and sort of, you know, um, in, increase sort of retail investment into the space and more or less sort of drive, drive flows and increase multiples in in Japanese assets, which has proven very successful. I mean, that's that's really the catalyst as to why we've seen, you know, the market run as, as high as we have over the last few weeks. Um, the macro side for, for Japan, though, is fascinating because, you know, for me, um, it's the quintessential um, soft landing trade, which it really is um, relying on, you know, a steady depreciation um, or, or, or relatively low, if, if nothing else, uh, Japanese yen, which we have seen recently with this resurgent uh, US dollar, but simultaneously, um, you know, a, a sort of a drop in or or, or, or a fairly contained bond market volatility that doesn't see uh, yields rise too much, even if you know some rate cuts come out of the pro uh, market in the United States. And we have seen that so far. It seems like a very unlikely mix to occur. In fact, I, I sort of feel rather skeptical about how long it can last. Um, but effectively, that kind of um, very fine balance has has gone the right way for, for, for um, Japanese equities, and it's obviously they've been off to the races. So again, we saw thirty six thousand um, technically. Speaking looks looks a little bit oversold, but um, that's really where all the strength is. And I, th I think you know, I'm sure it's a stat that was rattled off earlier in the week. Um, you know, it's Friday afternoon, so we can be a little bit retrospective, I suppose. But you know, the Japanese market, um, you know, sort of uh, exceeded that of uh, the value of, of China's um, this week as well. So it's the place to be. It's very very bullish. I don't know how long that can last. Maybe it's a contrary indicator, um, but certainly the, the area of strength very much is uh, in, in in Asia is 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 Japan right now. Kyle, should we be pointing to, as Nadine alluded to, this potential resurgence in inflation just when we're thinking we're getting a handle on it when we look at what's happening in the Red Sea? You mentioned some of the conflict. I also noted coffee prices have been rising, instant coffee, because um, Vietnam, the top producer, has been caught up by a lot of these shipping snarls as well. Mm. I mean, this is something we really do need to be watching a lot closely. 
Well, that's a tragedy if that's the case. I don't know. <laughs> I've moved back to Melbourne. You don't not drink the... instant coffee, <laughs> though. <laughs> We've got a few people in the office that, 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 that do. But, um, yeah, no, uh, I mean, at the moment, you haven't really seen in terms of market implied measures of inflation or even, you know, commodity prices much of a reaction to what's going on, at least in the Middle East, which says one of two things, at least uh, when it comes to oil prices, either the market's inappropriately discounting the risk or uh, the demand side issues that are emerging um, uh, for, 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 for energy markets, you know, China's. Uh, one part of the story is to why everyone's a little bit pessimistic about global growth, but just more broadly speaking, you know, the Saudis cut prices uh, a couple of weeks ago. There's this sense that, you know, demand maybe this year will be fairly weak for for um, energy and therefore oil prices have remained relatively, you know, contained. If you look at the West Texas Intermediate Contract, which only quote, just because that's the one that we price is most traded by our clients, still remains in the low 70s, which doesn't suggest a, you know, a supply shock is on its way and sort of, you know, this kind of broad-based inflationary pressures could could come through the market from, from, from that perspective. Um, again, it's it depends on one or two things. It's, it's either the market's not uh, discounting the risk appropriately or the demand side is, is far more significant. I will say uh, the contango in the oil market has um, come out now. So at least some of that oversupply that was being baked in at the end of last year um, and was responsible for, for weighing on prices a little bit um, uh, throughout the last three or four months uh, has reversed. So we're seeing a healthy backwardation now in, in the futures curve. Um, but for the time being, inflation risk from a supply shock doesn't, doesn't seem to be particularly elevated looking at market prices, notwithstanding the fact things could escalate and the markets could mm -hmm. be wrong. So mm -hmm. we'll see how we go. Yeah, we will have to see how we go. Look, um, you alluded to it earlier, week to date down by 1%, but today up by 1%. Technically, when you look at the Australian market back above that 7,400 level, 7,421 right now, how are we looking? Well, I mean, I think it was a pretty noteworthy rejection of um, all-time highs a couple of weeks ago, which suggests that we're still in a range of our market in, in the bigger picture. And, you know, I'm a little bit sceptical as to, I guess, the performance of the ASX 200 this year. I mean, obviously, we'll follow whatever happens in Wall Street and broader sentiment um, in, in global markets. But, I mean, I think we're starting to see a very, very rational pullback in iron ore prices because the China, China story is not not very good. In fact, it's it's rather bleak. So, our miners uh, are sort of poised for a continued pullback. And then and the domestic economy is, is fairly lukewarm. So, I mean, it, it doesn't look like a fantastic environment necessarily for the ASX 300. I mean, the silver lining is, is that we really have range traded for a while. So if you can sort of play those ranges appropriately, then, you know, maybe that's where your opportunities are. But um, again, from a, a technical standpoint, it's 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 really lukewarm um, at the moment. Sentiment's fairly neutral. Um, we'll really quite simply need to see the market trying to, to break out to new new highs um, that kind of pretty much quadruple top in the market over the last sort of three or four years to, to give us any kind of indicator that you know sentiment is turning and, and the technicals are turning more constructive all right kyle always right. a pleasure have a great weekend make sure you get some non-instant coffee in melbourne they're the capital of coffee of course <laughs> all right let's have a quick look at some of the leaders and laggards of the session we mentioned lottery Corp yeah. up by almost six percent zero they're up by 4.4 percent on that tech rally along with uh, we bit nano nanosonics as well yeah they really benefit when there's that overall rally um and on the flip side though let's take a look at some of the laggards boss energy is there we've got star entertainment there paladin emerald resources lion you can sense a bit of a theme there in the lithium space. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit of a snapshot there. Do we have the small to mid caps here? I don't know if I'm going to uh, shine myself in glory here today. I, th I think you should. Well, I, I, can I just show you what yeah. I know? Because I'm never very good at this sector, but I know what was happening with Mesoblast, which we did talk about. And as you mentioned, very volatile stock up 13%. And EML payments exiting its Irish business up by 8%. 
That's my knowledge. Um, I'm going to just like show off a little bit <laughs> here take and uh, take it away with Playside Studio because this is one that's actually been um, flagged by a number of our guests as being pretty interesting. Up 9%. There's no news associated with that. Tamboran Resources will actually be delisting. It's one of those um, with the Beetaloo Basin ambitions that just said that like being an ASX listed company has not been very favorable to it. Um, Swifting the page and some of these laggards. In the small to mid-cap space, it's, usu it's the usual, it's sort of a, a motley mix of a lot of those energy and resources names. Um, Melbourne, the, the home, the mecca of tennis right now, not just coffee, every second person I know, Juliet, is <laughs> heading to, uh, you to know Melbourne. You going there next Friday? Who? Me. Oh, Australia you. Day, I'm going to the <gasps> tennis. Yeah, I can't right. wait. You've got a four-day week coming yes. up. Yes, we do. Well, That's awesome. That's my my general life, but um, anyway, <laughs> exactly. she's just rubbing it in, isn't she? Right now, um, look, we all have a weekend around the corner. But before we get there, let's get across one of the stock of the days, Meriwether Capitals, um, Luke Winchester, Claude Walker yes. from A Rich Life. We're here today. Fantastic that Mesa Blast has this designation, hopefully gets the, the rapid approval and, and you know, the children around the world who suffer from the heart condition are able to, um, you know, it's able to assist them in some way. Um, but when you have a look at that from a business point of view, and that's that's what we're here today for to talk about, this as a business and as a stock, um, you know, the, the business still burns an insane amount of cash. And as I said, for, for the greater purpose and the greater good of society, but uh, as a stock, I, I, I'm happy to, um, to sit on the sidelines and let other people Fund that they had a um, trial conducted in 19 children, a single intramyocardial administration of Reviscor at the time of stage surgery resulted in the desired outcome of significantly larger increases in left ventricular end systolic and end dialostic volumes over 12 months compared to the controls as measured by 3D endocardiography. Now, I don't think many of the people rushing out to buy shares in Mesoblast today, pushing it up 30 cents, really have any idea of what this means for the value of the company, or if they're like me, even really what it means. All right, let's have a look at what we are going to see in the overnight session, uh, monthly business. I think this might be this is a week ahead, ahead, I think, yeah. yeah. So we'll have the monthly business turnover indicator for November, the NAB business survey, flash, flash purchasing um, managing indexes, flash PMIs, I should say, and a lot of production updates too, Nadine. Yeah, so that is sort of the thick of it because guess what's around the corner? Reporting season. Reporting season. So enjoy this while you know we we get our muscles all sort of attuned to reading these reports over. But Fortescue will be really interesting, mm. as will Woodside. I mean, they're all interesting. Um, but to get a read from some of those bigger companies, and of course, we always see what's been going out to China. I think I was wrong. I for some reason had it in my head that we get inflation next week, so it's the so week it's after. So January thirty-one. Yeah. So mm. I was getting a bit confused ahead of the date. So. Friday is the 26th. It'll be the following week. Yeah. And um, let's have a look as well in terms of what we get from the global. Well, so we mentioned the BOJ policy mm -hmm. decision very much in focus. Also, your Bank of Canada. Well, former Bank of Canada, my former <laughs> bank. But yeah, the Bank of Canada will be an interesting one because, of course, they've sort of paused. Um, but be interesting to see what they say about inflation because they have made it clear that they weren't reticent to hike again if they had to. But yet again, you know, they've hiked more and more significantly um, or to a higher rate, I should say, than we have here in Australia. So, yeah, looking for the commentary there. And then we had warnings from the ECB last night that, you know, again, and they don't think that the inflation genie is necessarily 
you know, put back mm -hmm. in the bottle. So I think that's what we're looking for now is the nuance and the nuanced language around inflation. And I suppose, you know, to everyone's point, sort of, you know, these new inflationary pressures brought on by supply chain issues that could could, you know, impact the outlook going forward. Indeed, and China loan prime rates, obviously a key one as well as we watch for further cracks and potential stimulus coming through from uh, that economy and the PBOC. All right, let's have a quick look at the market on the final day of trade up 1%, as Kyle mentioned, though I think we're down about 1% mm -hmm, on the week. Yeah. Yep. Um, looking ahead to US futures, a little bit of positivity there. So don't forget, we still do have a session to go in New York, and of course the European Open is not too far away as well. Um, but we're knocking on the door of a weekend. We are indeed. Yeah. So we will uh, enjoy our weekend. We hope you enjoy yours. And we'll be back bright and early on Monday with all the uh, run up from the weekend action and what to expect on yeah. our market. Have a good one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.